gets weird and pissed off, whatever it is. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Game over, man. Game over. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You are invited to an open house where horror will be your host. Don't fall asleep. I feel like I'm going to take the subject of today's podcast very personally. Oh, why is that? Well, because we're talking about calamity at sea. Mm-hmm. And I'm a lifelong sailor. Mm-hmm. And I'm also the most incompetent sailor you've ever met in your life to the point now where like my dad actually gets very nervous if I ever asked to go sailing in his boat with him <laughs> because oh. I'm essentially I'm, I'm like an albatross like I'm I'm just a oh. curse on the boat oh okay yeah just hanging about the necks okay. yeah any any time something has gone wrong on my dad's boat I've been aboard so do you think it's like have you been like you know like like cursed by the evil eye or you're just really incompetent? I'm just really incompetent. Oh. I'm going to own this. I'm not putting it down to a malevolent spirit or a poltergeist or mm-hmm. some kind of sea beast or an ancient mariner's curse. Oh, my God. Is this going to be like The Shining? If we go back and look at like all of the pictures of like all the great sea disasters, there's just a picture of you at the bar, like at the bar <laughs> on the Titanic, just like, yay, we'll sail forever. Oh. Showing up in lithographs like Pennywise. <laughs> yeah, It's just you on the Lindenberg. This is the way of the future. Oh. Like an old seafarer's map with the monster that shows the north, but it's just me dropping a vital component into the ocean, which has happened. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, my friend used to take me fishing quite a bit, mm-hmm. and his rule was when there was any any time something was crucial that needed to be done to the boat, I was not to touch it. Passion fingers, he called me because anything I touched, I fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's that's. I'm not sure if you're in the navy. I'm not sure you want to be known as passion fingers. No, I'm just saying. That's probably the worst nickname you could have. And both my parents were in the Navy and I was born. I might be like some kind of chosen one, <laughs> some kind of Damien. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, the op- complete opposite of like, oh, my God, yeah, maybe you are. Yeah. Maybe if we shave your head. There's just lots of nautical 666, an SOS. Oh, my oh. God, we'll shave your head. There's just like an SOS <laughs> etched onto your skull. <laughs> that may have been from the beer bottles I've taken over the head over the years. <laughs> yeah okay mm, mm. makes yeah. sense yeah it makes sense i've never seen you at the ocean but what you're saying i just look at you and i'm like yeah no i totally see it i do look like a sea creature though i look like i belong sunning myself on some very very large beach after swimming for many and eating octopus and i look like i look like a large seal <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, now I'm just waiting for like David Attenborough to come in and just like narrate your life. <laughs> and here goes John off on his day's adventures. <laughs> Rolls into ocean. <laughs> he can spend three minutes underwater. He's the least efficient hunter in the animal world. <laughs> oh my god, it's the only seal I've ever seen just sort of like lay there with his mouth open and hope that a fish accidentally swips in. Oh, look. A cave. <laughs> One of those ones that happily lives in captivity. <laughs> ah, the fish are frozen, but what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, but frozen kipper never hurt anyone. <laughs> oh, did it though? Are you thinking sex toy? Because <laughs> those things, when you freeze the gills, man, they're like a Chinese finger trap. They'll go in, they will not come out. I would just like to say to our listeners out there, um, 
that apparently reports of sex injuries at emergency departments have increased by over 200 percent uh since lockdowns have begun and at what point did they realize that we need an epidemiological study because we're seeing so many presentations of (laughs) carrots and light bulbs and just as a side note Usually you bring dinner over here. So you come to my house and you bring over some delicious vegan thing that I then, as soon as you're gone, I'll drive to Macca's and get a burger. Oh, my God. Just, yeah, don't, just die inside. I don't really, but I just want to make you feel bad. And tonight I'm cooking you dinner for a change. Uh-huh. And while I'm doing it, it's a very green, heavily pesto pasta dish. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about this sex toy you found online <laughs> that is an alien, some kind of alien carapace cloaca thing. Okay, I like okay, the first thing that we want to discuss is the fact that I was doing it for research, okay? Yeah. This wasn't just me Christmas shopping. Your honor. Dear Santa. <laughs> Tell um, it to Judge Duty, you fucking miscreant. <laughs> a, don't tell me how to live, all right? <laughs> I can do what I want. I pay the bills up in this house. That is a D Snyder song I would have paid to see. <laughs> I'm not gonna take it. Let me stick it in me. <laughs> No, you know what? I am going to take it because it's my choice if I choose to take it as a strong, independent woman. Woo! All the ladies are independent. Take one up for I got nothing. Yeah, let's see all those fucking liberals (laughs) who've just gone straight back to brunch now that Biden's got in. Let's see them fight for your cause. (laughs) I want the right to an alien sex toy that will deposit eggs into me at the moment of orgasm. My body, my choice. (laughs) This is this is why a woman ran in front of the king's horse. What? Well, that's the start of feminism, isn't it? Emily, what's her name? Uh, ran in front of the king's horse at the Grand National. Basically, started the suffragette movement. Oh, don't yeah. make me badly mansplain feminism <laughs> to you. Oh my, god. oh my god! I'm sorry, I don't know the last name of like every woman in recorded history. Shut up. There was a woman. She protested. Many women have protested. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Explain feminism to me. Yeah. So this is why women are bad luck on ships. <sighs> you know what? This is why you keep getting beer, beer bottles knocked over the top of you. Yeah. Oh, my God. How many ships have, have I sunk? None. How many ships have you sunk? Two. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> my dad sailed his boat all over Spencer Gulf in South Australia. The first time <laughs> I jumped on it, the mainsail split from top to bottom and turned to ribbons and we were stuck in the middle of the gulf with no motive power. Oh my god, you really are cursed. Well, I'm aren't cursed, you? yeah. You're just some kind of sea witch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's uh, okay. I'm taking that. I'm, I'm, I, I'm <laughs> Don't just... get on a boat with me, is what we're saying. No, but I just took a minute and I was just picturing you with like a mermaid tail and like a little clamshell bra. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just like promising young 16 year olds like legs if they give you their voice. <laughs> my name's Madison. Mm. <laughs> See, that's what Splash would have been like if John Candy was Madison instead of <laughs> instead of Buddy. What's her name? I can't Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah. Uh huh. Yeah. Nobody needs to see that movie. That movie. My son loves it. But do you know Disney has like retroed it? Like they've gone and retrofitted the the naked bum out of it. What? So when Daryl Hannah runs into the water, splishy splash. Yeah. And she's got that nice long flowing hair and that perfect early twenties woman ass. Yeah, it's amazing. They've now digitally extended her hair like Zach, like bloody Zack Snyder's Superman mustache, and it looks <sighs> terrible. 
Oh. It looks like she's got a Wookiee butt now. Well, there's like, was it in, um, they messed around with like E.T. Because originally, um, you know, when it, when Elliot and E.T. come along on the bicycle and of course they come, the all the police cars have, have blocked off the street. And of yeah. course the bicycle takes up into the air. Yeah, um, which is an homage like, to Vanishing Point, I've always thought. The originally the because it's all you know it's it's all about the basically the only men showing up in this these you know are are awful because you know, um, and basically the the cops have uh, shotguns yes and they went back and digitally removed the guns what because they were like oh no that's a bit too so I don't know they were there with like I don't know dildos or baguettes they <laughs> just yeah, just like baguettes like no oh, where are you going with your little French little alien man yeah no they they took the guns out because they felt that was that was that was just going to upset the children well et is fairly brown. <laughs> he does look like he's got a hoodie on going for a jog. In America, that will get uh, you shot. That, yeah, I know. Seriously. like Yeah, the extended version where you just see <laughs> E.T. with like a, a knee over his neck. Very different film. Yeah. We know how he ends up pale and in hospital. <laughs> it has nothing to do with a missing home. <laughs> Went into the wrong convenience store and bought a drink. Yeah. Yeah, he died for Reese's Pieces. Shot in the back 12 times. Oh. <sighs> Disgraceful, uh, but yeah, no. So they they did that. They did that to remove the guns because it was it was too scary. There you go. So just just you know what? Just stop. That's like oh my god. The other thing when they went back to Star Wars to do like the digital, you know, oh, like, oh my god, and then the s- digital Stalining of oh, Star Wars. Oh my god. Okay, for okay, let's put it out on the table. Han Solo shoots first. Hundred percent. A hundred percent, and that's see that's all that's all part of like the mystery of like the fact that you know when when we start out he is a complete prick he is a yeah. smuggler he's he's a smuggler he is a shit dude and that's what makes his redemption at the end even more powerful exactly because he goes from like a premature shooting people smuggling twat yeah into the literal good guy saver of the universe yeah so. He shoots first. Very much so. The other thing that really shits me off is they decided to go back and make Jabba the Hutt um, oh. not as morbidly obese. Really? Yeah. They slimmed him down. Why? Yeah. Well, because he's actually walking around in the in the new remastered oh, Star Wars. That that one scene in the cargo bay where he's <sighs> where like he has to walk. So Han Solo has to walk around behind Jabba. Yeah. And he steps on him. Yeah, steps on his tail. Yeah. And and then at the very end of it, what is it? It's bloody uh, Boba Fett mugs the camera yeah. as he walks past, like you're gonna see me again. Yeah, wink. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm I'm yeah, I've never made a, a multi-billion-dollar feature film franchise. You know yet. Yet, yeah, but yet. you know what? Leave that shit on the cutting room floor. Oh my god! It's just you know what I mean. When you've got something that is perfect, why go back and fuck with it? Yeah, it's like it's like Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott should never have made another Alien movie. I'm saying it. You know what, Ridley? Just fucking stop. Mm. Stop. Stop. You know what, Alien? That that. That for you. That was your perfect film. Yeah. Don't go back. Don't fuck with that. Don't try to invent new folklore that just fucking contradicts everything in your film. I'm just saying. Yeah, it was a very strange retcon, wasn't it? Oh, you know what? This is this is again. This is our second episode. Last week we gave celebrity advice to Mel Gibson, <laughs> with the celebrity advice of shut the fuck up, Mel. <laughs> and this week we would like to provide professional advice to Ridley Scott in regards to making new Alien films, and we would just like to say. Just fucking stop, mate. Yeah. Just fucking stop. Yeah, and that's timely because he was in the media this week complaining that most modern films are dumb. Oh, 
like, you made fucking Prometheus, bro. Dude, yeah, seriously. Have you fucking seen? Oh, my God. Like, they're just, they're not good. No. And can I say, like. Visually beautiful, but not good. No. And, oh, my God. Like, Michael Fassbender. Like, good God, that's an attractive, that's an attractive man. But I am so fucking angry by each one of these new films. Yeah. I would. I would basically punch my vagina until it knocked out until like I let let it get excited by Michael Fassbender. That's how angry I get in those movies. Even Michael Fassbender can't like move me emotionally. Even that weird dual flute scene. <laughs> Even that couldn't do it for you. That didn't ring any bells. Uh, I know. You would think how does that not get a that doesn't that not get your flute a flutter? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I wish I could just purge it from me. Yeah. Just oh. Well, they say, they say that worse things happen at sea. That's my favourite saying. <laughs> Only when you're on board, John. Exactly. Well, yes, exactly. Only when But in when this you're case, on. you know, you could just get up in the middle of the night and push it overboard and <laughs> bloop. No more Prometheus. Oh my lord! Well, you know, as, as we've as we've established, um, when your when your lovely girlfriend and her very small bladder gets up, <laughs> fuck you for the eighth time in the night. She can she just... gave specific instructions: do not name check me or my bladder on this podcast. <laughs> well, you didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, no. Yeah, and you know, a, a, a shout out to your lovely lady and her and her lovely small bladder. You just like her because she plied you with booze. <laughs> I played her with views this time. Views? Shut up. Yeah. Yes, now this week. <laughs> <laughs> You've had your two rations of sailor's rum for today. <laughs> oh, my lo- You know what? Just on a, on a side drinking note, on Anzac Day, because yeah. in Australia, Anzac Day, it's when we commemorate our um, fallen soldiers yes. and our serving, you know, servicemen um, and women. Mm-hmm. And and dogs, serving dogs. Service dogs, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, of course, you know, we show our respect and our gratitude by closing off streets, getting vomit-inducing drunk and shagging sailors. That's what we do. That's um, what you do. And because I'm a patriot. <laughs> and I... <laughs> I remember, I remember my friends always like to remind me of the year we, we'd been having a very – because, you know, you get off at dawn, you know, crack yeah. the dawn service. and this Rum and was, milk. This was like well into the, the beginning of the evening yeah. um, to which I bought um, a lot of uh, people some shots and as we did our shots, I downed my shot with the exclamation of, I love semen! <laughs> That was a good year. I can imagine. Um, oh, remind me to tell you about the guy with one leg. Uh, that's a, that's another. Does that have to be told in uh, limerick form, <laughs> or explained with interpretive dance? <laughs> I might need a couple of more drinks to tell you about that <laughs> okay. one. Okay. Oh, but now, no. This week, if uh, if you haven't figured out why we're blathering about the ocean, um, we are diving deep into its waters now. The ocean is a harsh mistress, and even if we live a million years, we will never know all of her secrets. Unless, of course, you believe in paleontology. No. No, okay. (laughs) God put dinosaurs here to test our faith. (laughs) 
Now, we think there are no undiscovered places left on Earth, and so we have moved our curious selves into space. But the plain truth is we've only explored really about 5% of the world's oceans, its trenches and its caverns. But I don't look at that. I look at it uh, as, as 5% explored. We do that to convince ourselves that we are safe. Because no one wants to admit that we have no idea about 95% of what lurks underneath your tiny little exposed feet as you coyly paddle at the darkness below you. (laughs) Ironically enough, many sailors have explored more than 90% of your trenches and cabins. (laughs) I'm a patriot. (laughs) And I love my country. <laughs> and they love my country. Hey, the land of sweeping flames. <laughs> now, in this week's episode of High Aim Six, or we're going to need a bigger boat. Hey, or no dying in the deep end. Oh uh, yeah. Or we can sail. We can sail. We can sail on the oh my god no flow. Did you just disrespect Enya? That's just for you. Not in this house. <laughs> she was inclined. I know how much you love her. Respect her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously, her watermark album is literally a watermark release. Oh my god, calm down. Because it, oh it's god. it's one of the strangest albums. It goes from like weird kind of boomer like lullabies to mm. the strangest polyrhythmic like this sort of geography lesson you've ever heard. With, and then, and then, like weird Doom Quest music. It's amazing. Do you need a moment alone with the, with the with the sailors? <laughs> oh my god! I just imagine you pounding sailors with just Enya in the background. Oh. Sail away, sail away, sail away. That's what you do the first time you cross the equator. <laughs> That's their initiation. <laughs> Welcome to the Navy. <laughs> just, just as a quick side note, when my, uh, about ten years ago, no, it was more than that. Maybe about twenty years ago, yeah. there was an expose that showed there was an initiation ritual for certain sailors in the Australian oh. Navy, where oh. when they crossed the equator, they essentially got a greasy broom up the bum. And I'm sitting there watching this with my dad, who was a sailor for many, many years in the Australian uh-huh. and British Navy, uh-huh. and he turned to me. He's a very, very reserved man. Never talks about. Never talks about icky bodily stuff. And he just turned to me and very matter of fact just said, I'd like you to know that when I was in the Navy, we just had to drink a warm beer. <laughs> yeah, through the anus. That's what he doesn't tell you. <laughs> no, you know what? But mm. I want it I want it noted, at least the poll's greased. Absolutely. So, you know. <laughs> what do we do with a drunken sailor? <laughs> Stick greased. a hose pipe up him. Grease toes pipe up him. <laughs> all right, it's the grease that shows you care. All Absolutely. Right? Oh. That's the modern Australian Navy. We care. <laughs> just just guy in the background just creasing up a bowl. <laughs> we care. Oh. Now, every culture that has crossed the seas has stories about the deep dark blue from wanton women that would lure men to their deaths. Arr. To giant creatures the size of warships, to deformed creatures more teeth than brains. You know, 
I I always find it. They think now um, that mermaids. Uh, they think that mermaids were in fact either just seals or manatees that were seen from a distance, and basically just you know ye olden sailors were so dehydrated, blinded by scurvy, and just like so desperate to put their dick in something um, that they literally like died like jumping <laughs> overboard and chasing sea lions. <laughs> Trying to molest <laughs> sea lions. <laughs> I, I don't well, know. Why I think there was correct. no sunglasses back then, <laughs> so all their eyes just got burnt out. <laughs> all I can say is, oh my god! To now, when like you know, the David Attenborough crew shows up to like film seals, the seals. That's why the seals are just like so placid because they're yeah. like, oh my god! At least this one hasn't got his dick out. Just <laughs> sing me a love song. <laughs> no, I don't want your rum. <laughs> yeah, well, ever. <laughs> Uh, now, countless cultures have stories of ravenous beasts that would plunder ships for their cargo or their crew. Cultures have stories of crews going mad, mutiny, and even cannibalism. Wow. And some have stories that simply cannot be explained. One of these stories takes place in Australian waters in 2003. Just quickly, the scariest maritime story I've ever come across comes mm. from the United States of America. Ooh, I know we're not focusing me. on this one. It's from 1989 uh-huh. and it's Adam Sandler's first feature film Oh God! No. called Going Overboard. Adam Sandler is a cruise ship waiter fishing for laughs. Somewhere between seasickness and murder. His killer comic discovers the power of laughter. Three seconds into the first preview for his feature film career, there's a fart. (sighs) You know what the irony is? The tagline is it's about him, like, discovering laughs. Yeah. Not one is discovered in this film. Not one. I Once you sent me the, like, the preview for that, I looked it up on IMDb. Do you want to know what its rating is? 50%. (laughs) It's 1.8. Oh, really? (laughs) Wow. 1.8. Wow, that's that's fucking low. That's like wedding video low. (laughs) It's like, oh my God. (laughs) What did you think of it? Uh, Oh my God, I really wish I'd actually like, I had... Oh God! I I wrote it out. I've I've forgotten the bit of paper. I actually like put one of like someone had actually like reviewed it. Yeah. Um, and basically the title of their review was "This movie sucks ass." (laughs) And they go on to explain that this is uh, after after beholding the ridiculously like sickening script. Yeah. Um. This is the worst film ever <laughs> made ever multiple exclamation <laughs> points and this like the first part of them was saying look i full disclosure i'm an adam sandler fan yeah but i looked it up it's got a young billy zane exactly and a young billy bob thornton in it just imagine auditioning for titanic and they're like have you ever done dramatic stuff on a boat <laughs> no 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 <laughs> <laughs> Deleting this like <laughs> have not. <laughs> oh, really? I've seen this. We've seen that you've done some like boat work before. What well, the mate? What well, the mate? Uh, ask Billy Bob. Yeah, Billy Bob. Yeah, totally. <laughs> How did Billy Bob Thornton manage to land Angelina Jolie after being in that film? Oh my god! How did Billy Bob Thornton manage to land Angelina Jolie? 
period. Yeah, that's very true. That, that whole relationship was just... <laughs> Hey, what are we calling this episode? Are we calling it the Oh My God No Flow? <laughs> or uh, Steamboat William H. Gacy? Oh, God. It's... Oh, get fucked. <laughs> that went. Uh, this isn't going too well, is it? Uh, A real quote from the movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Actually, I looked it up. Apparently, the budget for the whole film, including press, was $200,000. Most of that cocaine? Yeah, yeah. I, I was looking at it and I'm like, oh no, like they rented the camera for the week. That couldn't have been more than like nine ninety five. Fuck, that's so cheap. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was. They still paid too much for what they got. They did. One point eight. <sighs> Even uh, uh, lesbian vampires got like five point four. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord. <sighs> now. On the 3rd of January 2002, a fishing boat named High Aim 6. Do you want me to try and say its name in Chinese? No. we Australia already has a trade impasse with China. We don't need you fucking it up even more. <laughs> High Aim 6 <laughs> was first seen by Australian border forces near the edge of Australian waters. Its engine running the boat travelling underway with no signs of emergency or distress. Nothing to report. Well, normally they just sink it. <laughs> Five days later, she would be seen 80 nautical miles within Australian waters. The sun was out and the seas were calm, but the boat appeared to be drifting. Hmm. Australian Navy personnel attempted to make radio contact with the vessel. When no response was given, they boarded. The High Aim 6 was a fishing vessel. Upon seeing no noticeable damage, they moved inside. What they found was not extraordinary in the least. No blood, no signs of a struggle or any sort of distress. There was a bountiful supply of both food and water and there was plenty of fuel on board. All of the crew's personal belongings were still in their quarters, clothes in cupboards, pictures pinned to walls. Even several of the crew's toothbrushes sat serenely in their place. Everything you would expect to find on a boat just as you would expect to find it. Everything except a crew. I reckon I can solve this right now. Yeah. They've just gone, is that the Australian Navy? Is that a greasy pole? (laughs) Get it, jump, abandon ship. (laughs) Swim for it. (laughs) You will never get my freedom. (laughs) Never get my asshole. (laughs) Oh, my God. That could explain why not one living soul was made on board. (laughs) They just died holding their buttocks. <laughs> there were no bodies and there were no clues as to where they had gone. All they knew that the engine was dead and the rudder was locked. This would cause the vessel to move in one direction rather than floating around in circles. Yeah. Now, the High Aim 6 was a Chinese-owned fishing vessel that was registered in Taiwan but flew under an Indonesian flag, which... I know it sounds complicated, but to this day is a common occurrence. Yeah, I've done this with Tiranas. Mm. Yeah. The High Aim 6 sailed from southern Taiwan on the 31st of October 2002 to Indonesia, where they took on their new crew. Ah. Now, the captain and the ship's engineer were both Taiwanese nationals. The rest of the crew consisted of 10 Indonesian men that had been hired through recruiting agencies in Indonesia to fish in waters near the Marshall Islands. 
Now, the owner of the vessel said that he last spoke to the captain by radio telephone in late December 2002. And he says the captain raised no concerns with the boat or with the crew or any talk of mutiny. Right. So what happened between the end of December and the 3rd of January? Christmas. No one wants to be stuck in a boat with other people during Christmas. Really disappointing secret Santa. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get me a greasy pole? <laughs> oh, my God. I said season six of Friends. Oh, my God. You know I have five. <sighs> Tell me you kept the receipt. Now, a search mission was launched and 73,000 nautical miles or... 13,500 kilometres were searched in every direction. Still, no trace of any crew members could be found. Fuck. Now, one theory was the ship had perhaps been smuggling illegal immigrants into Australia. However, the ship was filled to the brim with fish, Hmm. which supported the theory that it was a fishing vessel. Yeah. And there were no hiding places that were discovered that could have hidden people. Yeah. And if this was a smuggling operation, then why would the crew have also fled the vessel and why not take their belongings? And then why not merely sink the boat to cover their tracks? Now, the thing you've got to remember here is 2002, sort of 2001, 2002, was the start of the Australia's, what well, frankly, very brutal uh-huh. uh, offshore immigration processing. Uh, essentially, there'd always been... Um, what they called unlawful arrivals, which was essentially asylum seekers, being they economic migrants or otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, coming into Australian waters. It was John Howard, easily the worst prime minister we had prior to Scott Morrison, who decided it was a really great way to wedge the electorate and he turned it into this highly weaponised political argument where they built basically offshore tent. Mind you, the Labor Party kind of developed this policy as well. But this isn't very funny. I'm just giving you a history lesson. <laughs> Say what you will about John Howard as a prime minister. He yeah. was he was he was a very small little man. Yeah. And he really loved sport and he would often wear his sporting team's tracksuit and then would be like shown like jumping around really excited like a like a five year old child. Yeah. And bless him, you had to love him for like that. His his dedication to his sport was priceless. Yeah, he, he loved rugby and power walking. Yes, oh my God, bless his little heart. Yeah. The point I was making is, though, that back then, just as this was happening, there was no real systemic attempts that I'm aware of mm. to hide or destroy boats, that kind of stuff. Because back until then, we basically used to just intercept them and bring them to the Australian mainland. Mm. Unlike a few years later, where essentially they would set fire to boats in the middle of the ocean and people just fucking just, swam for it. You just turned people back, yeah. yeah. Um well, now, the boat was found 250 kilometres off the west coast of Broome in Western Australia. Yeah. Now, with a local population of around 13,500 people, it is most likely the local residents would have noticed people arriving out of nowhere with no transport. Have you ever been to Broome? No. There is no way they would have not. There's no way they would have noticed strangers coming in. I once did a comedy show there yeah. where afterwards. A mobile DJ drove us into the middle of the desert. I thought I was going to wind up in a shallow grave. Yeah. He unloaded his DJ equipment. Yeah. The middle of the desert. Yeah. Turned it on and out of dunes and just caves and shit, backpackers came out like zombies and this rave just happened in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Because no one pays to sleep in the backpackers. They'll just sleep on the beach and in the dunes. Yeah. Yeah. But like, no, but like there's still like the locals, like they know they're out there. Yeah. 
you know, so yeah, they they. But the entire the entire town's economy is tourism, so you yeah. could realistically do a very successful people smuggling operation from Broome. <laughs> well, no one, uh, no one was noticed, and no one, uh, no one purchased a plane ticket out of the town. Um, it's too remote to work to the ne- the next town. No lifeboats were ever found on the shoreline, hmm. and the thing is, with it being peak box jellyfish season. And the warm oceans packed with this beautiful but deadly creature where their stings can lead to death. No bodies ever washed up on shore. And it was mm. unlikely that somebody would be – you couldn't swim through. No, nah, it's crocodile country. Yeah. Like, you you know, just, there'd be something left. Yeah. Um, now, others suggested that the boat may have run out of fuel, but that was dismissed as there was still plenty of fuel, food, and water on the vessel. Hmm. So, you know, again, if you were going to, like, smuggle people, why would you bust your ass catching, like, filling up to the brim with fish? I'm going to pass the time. <laughs> Rex Hunt's <laughs> fishing adventures, yibbida yibbida. Now, the other thing is, if the ship had run into trouble, why had the captain not used his radio phone to call for assistance? No distress calls were ever recorded. Right. And the owner of the vessel... Um, uh, has noted at the end of December talking to the captain on the boat. Yeah. So the the it was capable of making long distance communication. Chinese fishing vessels aren't known for their strict record keeping, though. <laughs> no, but they did have the satellite phone. Yeah. So you know, if a distress came, uh, they could have called. Yeah. Um, and there were also no lifeboats. Uh, no lifeboats. Lifeboats. They were eaten by ducks. <laughs> no lifeboats. <laughs> There were no lifeboats and there was no sign that any had been launched. Right. Now, someone touted the idea of pirates. Mm. But again, that was quickly dismissed as pirates would have surely turned the boat inside out looking for valuables. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, simply stealing the boat or at least plundered its supplies for food, water and fuel. Yeah. It makes no sense for a pirate. Or fish, like made a casserole. It makes no sense to like leave any of that behind. Unless Hollywood came along and snapped them all up to cast them in a in a pirate film. Captain Phillips. Where they didn't pay them very much and had them do incredibly dangerous stunts. <laughs> Hollywood. Now, the boat was towed to Broome for forensic examination, but when this... <laughs> I've been to Broome. That's a man in stubby shorts and a singlet going, well, yeah, boat's fucked. There's no one on it. Boat's fucked. There's definitely no one on it. <laughs> Looked for beer. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> There's fish in it. Let's eat the fish. That's evidence. No, it's not. It's dinner. Boat's fucked. <laughs> it's evidence that I'm hungry. <laughs> now, uh, when the forensic examination drew a blank, they were uh, Australian naval forces were stumped. Yeah. But then. The missing chief engineer's wife in Taiwan received a phone bill. Oh. For 40,000 new Taiwanese dollars, which is about $1,900 Australian. Whoa. Lynn's family said that the last time they'd actually spoken to the chief engineer was on the 5th of December. 1,900. That's a lot of votes on Big Brother. Oh, yeah. Now, the family said they had tried calling after this date, but they could never get through. Although once they did, 
but they said the person on the other end of the phone did not speak, but the daughter claimed to hear what sounded like a karaoke bar <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Can you imagine calling your fa- Look, sorry, I'm not I'm going to be out like I'm not going to be available for Christmas because it's work, honey. I have to go away for work. And you call his phone to the sound of karaoke. Oh, my Lord. Uh, Oh, yeah. Now, the records indicate that this phone had made 87 phone calls between the 1st of January and the 10th of January. All of these phone calls were made not at sea, but in the Indonesian city of Bali. (laughs) And up until January the 15th, calls were still being made by the phone. Right. Both the Chinese and the Taiwanese government started pressuring pressuring the Indonesian government for answers. What had happened to their captain and their engineer? Mm. Now, the Indonesian police eventually arrested one man who they said was a member of the Indonesian crew. He signed a declaration stating that members of the crew had killed the captain and then the engineer on the 8th of December and then proceeded to go back to their homeland. However, his statement did not provide a reason for the murders, nor did it give the details of the actual murders or how or why they happened. No, just sick of talking to the cops. Ah, oh, we murdered him. Just, just fuck off. Just, yeah. just How'd you do it? No, we just trust me. Just, just fuck just, off. Well, just, oh, we did it. There we go. Yeah. Done. Statement done. Now, the problem is... This statement, as apart, apart from not providing any sort of detailed information about the crime or how it happened, it's also in direct conflict with the evidence from other sources, such as the owner of the vessel who spoke to the captain in late December mm-hmm. and the sightings of the ship by the Australian Navy on the 3rd of January. Nor did it explain who put all the fish in the hold mm. or why the crew did not take their personal belongings if they, had, if they had simply taken the ship back to Indonesia and disembarked. It's super weird. The story made no sense in relation to the contrary evidence. What the story did do, however, mm-hmm. was bear more than a passing similarity to a previous event in the previous year, when a boat was discovered empty by the Indonesian military, who would later arrest three members of the 10-man crew who confessed to the murder of the captain and the engineer, hmm. uh, claiming that basically they were being treated by slaves, they were not being treated properly, they were not being paid, um, and they were being beaten regularly. Yeah, well, this is one of the reasons why unions in Australia refuse to let many foreign ships leave because of the treatment of their crews. Yeah. So that's what had happened on another ship uh, okay. the year before. So, and surprisingly, was pretty much then the same story that this man uh, agree- signed into saying, "Oh yes, no, that's that that's what happened. Yes, we just killed the captain and the engineer. No details, but we just definitely, definitely just killed trust them. me. Yeah, yeah, just definitely." <laughs> However, he could not give uh, the details of the other crew members or where they were. Sounds to me like they've got a guy who's just willing to confess so they'll stop torturing him. The other thing to note is no other crew member of the High Aim 6 
would ever be found. So even if according to his statement they had murdered the captain and the engineer and then everybody had simply gone back home, why weren't the crew found at home? Hmm. None of them were. The High Aim 6 herself remained on the beaches of Broome in Australia for almost a year. It proved to be a popular tourist curiosity. <laughs> There's not a lot happening in Broome. No. Locals petitioned for the ship to be dragged offshore and scuttled to become a dive wreck. But instead, the boat was dismantled and it was taken away to be buried in an unknown garbage landfill. Buried? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they just burn it? Mm. No, it was it was removed from the area. Wow! They may have removed it and burned it, but they simply uh, the official statement was it was being taken away to be buried. Um, now we may know five percent of the ocean's mysteries, but the fate of the crew of the High Aim Six is not one of them. The the one phone message with the karaoke music in the background mm-hmm. could have been the desert rave I went to. And they were just in broom. Just woo! <laughs> this, this bush doof is awesome. <laughs> well, you know what? I think I think the phone is a bit of a misdirection. Okay, yep. Because they've the, done a total recall where he pulls the the booger thing out of his and gives it to the rat. <laughs> well, no, you know what I think it is. I think it was uh, because the last time that they spoke, the owner spoke to the crew, uh, the captain was in late December. Now, all of these calls from Bali did yeah. not happen until the 1st of January. Yeah. So, it makes sense to me that perhaps the, perhaps the captain's um, uh, the phone was stolen and he didn't realise until after they left Bali. So, yep. because there is, like, let's be honest, it's very dodgy working conditions. It's yeah. not safety first. Yeah. Uh, they went off, they continued on, you know, catching their like, look, we're already halfway out into the ocean before yeah. I realise my phone is gone. You know what? We'll just do our trip. We'll load up our stores with fish and then when we come back, I'll get a new phone. We'll take it from there. Yeah. So I think the all the calls, that was just the sucker who had either stolen the phone or had bought a stolen phone and then just happened to be the poor fool that was caught with the phone and then made to sign a document saying, oh, yeah, no, totally. I, yeah, we, we killed him, dude. Pretty we much. We killed him. I can't name anybody else who's on this ship. Yeah. Because um, it's just none of this makes sense to me. Like, if, you're, if you have killed a captain and an engineer, yeah. okay, the first thing that you would do, it's just natural instinct, is to remove all evidence of yourself from that scene. Yeah. So you would take your clothes, you would take your pictures off your wall, You'd take your toothbrush. I mean, you're not taking you're not taking too many um, personal effects onto a Chinese fishing boat. Yeah, because I mean, you know, these Thai crews. You know, where's it from? Taiwan. Yeah, originally. Yeah, so they don't they don't go to Indonesia to hire people because they're good employers. They do it because they're cheap, and these people are desperate. Yeah. Essentially. So they're yeah. not coming on board with, oh, I've got five books I want to get through. I mean, I've really wanted to get through a Barack Obama's new book while I'm at night. It's, it's basically slave working conditions. No, so you're coming aboard with a toothbrush, you know, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe a couple of books, something, I don't know, but not much. Yeah. No, but, but, that, but then that's it as well. Like if you're, uh, when you've got nothing, the few yeah. things that you've got really mean a lot. Oh, fuck yeah. If you've only got two t shirts, yeah. When you leave, you make sure you got your two t-shirts, but not only that. Like if yeah. you've if you've killed somebody, mm. 
and you're like, oh, shit, you know what? We have to, like, bury the bodies and leave the scene so they don't catch me. Yeah. Wouldn't you take your picture of your wife that you've just sticky taped next to your bed? Yeah. I'm just saying. I've got two theories. Uh Uh-huh. Number one, it's the Chinese Navy. I've basically just ripped everyone off the boat and just gone, no, get on the boat now. We're taking you back. Something's happened. You know, the the right official hasn't been bribed or something like that. Uh Yeah, the Chinese Navy are known to take boats. Uh-huh. Uh, especially back then when they were first starting to stretch their legs into the South China Sea. But, like, why? But then why just leave the boat and, like, why not take any of the supplies? Because they don't give a fuck. It's the Chinese Navy. They're on massive warships. So that's, that's one theory. Uh-huh. The, other, the other theory I've got, which might be a little bit closer, is there are huge regional fishing disputes uh-huh. that happen in these places. Like, yep. all throughout the um, the Philippines, Thailand, you know, getting down to the bottom of, you know, Vietnam, those sorts of places, huge territorial disputes amongst, yeah. amongst micro communities as to who can be fishing, even out quite deep. Yeah. Um, so perhaps, uh, you know, the, the Indonesian crew being put onto this Taiwanese boat was a way of getting around something. Another fisherman didn't quite like it, pulled up beside him. Everyone get on my boat at gunpoint and just left him. And like, it's a message to the the company that hired the boat and took the other people back and yeah, man, probably turned them into fish food. Who fucking knows? Yeah, but, th- but then there's all there's all the things like, you know, I mean, A, like, hey, so if it was if it was the Chinese Navy that showed up, yeah. I imagine if I'm the Chinese Navy and I'm going to strong arm people who don't want to go off a boat. Yeah. Well, they don't like the Taiwanese. The place would be trashed. Yeah. There was, there was no sign of that. There was no sign of a struggle. There was no sign of... A disturbance. Yeah. Nothing was disturbed. But what 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 poor fishermen are going to resist against a well funded, well trained navy? There's always one. There's always there's always you know what? There's always a Kev who's like ah oh, fuck it. I'm going to give it a go. An, if this I'm was an Australian fishing boat, yeah. If this was an Australian fishing boat, yeah. you would find bullet riddled singlets, <laughs> and all that would be on the other side is a thong and a stubby that's been thrown at them, <laughs> and some choice words. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I tell you a story about yes. a, a regional fishing dispute up in um, the oh, Philippines? Yes, please do. I can't drop the name of the person who told me this story. Uh-huh. They're a very significant figure in the conservation movement. Okay. And was it David Attenborough? I'm just going to assume it was it's not David, David Attenborough. It was not David Attenborough. This happened, oh, my God, that means it's David Attenborough. <laughs> this happened, uh, I believe, in the early 1980s. Mm-hmm. So this person was getting around somewhere in the Philippines essentially mm. as a guest of a very high up military official. Because Be- everybody loves David Attenborough. <laughs> I get it. Not even the right gender. Anyway, uh, this person had been making a whole bunch of films there because they, mm-hmm. they worked in the conservation and documentary film producing mm-hmm. sphere. Mm-hmm. So it was quite the celebrity because they'd shown a real interest in these you know, these reefs that probably aren't there anymore because they've been overfished and trashed and mm-hmm. dynamite fished and all that kind of stuff. Boo. Yeah. So this person was over there as a guest of this official and they were feeling quite, uh, I suppose, full of confidence because mm-hmm. they had just prosecuted or at least helped in the prosecution of the first basically violation of international fishing treaty mm-hmm. cases. Okay. Where they proved that a whole bunch of people had come over to Australia and were stealing clams from this mm-hmm. this well-known, very shallow... Uh, plateau that's sort of out in the middle of the ocean where you can mm-hmm. almost get out and walk. It's almost that shallow. And, you know, can I just say if there's one thing we support on this podcast, no clam touching without permission. Please continue. <laughs> Coming straight from the mouth of Clam Stroker. <laughs> yeah, Clam Stroker says, so it shall be. Do not touch thy clam until thy is invited to touch thy clam. 
That's that's like one of the commandments that's just a little bit obscured on Moses' tablets. <laughs> Thou shalt not touch the clam. You know what? It's bloody patriarchy. You know what they're like? We're just like, oh, we'll just snap that bit yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. It says here we got to eat pussy and listen to it. Fuck that. <laughs> that's gone. Uh, uh, put, put in some shit about a donkey. I'm sure there was a third tablet, <laughs> Moses. What? No. 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 I, don't, I don't see that. Your beard smells clean, Moses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. So this person was very full of confidence that they had done a, whole, a great deal of environmental protection mm-hmm. and on board the boat with this um, military official thought it was a good opportunity to spread that message. Mm-hmm. And during this kind of it was like a, it was almost like a like a millionaire's like yacht mm. cocktail event. Mm. And this person saw a small crew of people dynamite fishing this reef and said to this high up official, You gotta do something about that. Mm. And the official went, nah, We're out here having a good time. What are you gonna do? You know, just have some more champagne. Mm-hmm. And the person just kept bugging him and kept bugging him. You gotta do something about that, because that person over there yeah. is damaging that reef. They shouldn't be from here. They, they they belong in this place over there. If the locals find this person over here, it's gonna be a big to do. Mm-hmm. It's gonna spark a bunch of violence. You've got to do something about it. He's like, Oh fuck off. You know, the strippers are about to come on. Just mm-hmm. have some more champagne. Here's a cigar. Like, just enjoy yourself. Mm. Person's like, No. We're out here, we're witnessing this. If you're gonna take me seriously, you've got to do something about it. So he's like, Oh fucking fair enough. And he goes into the cabin's wheelhouse, the captain's wheelhouse, mm. picks up the radio, has a bit of a chat, and the boat suddenly turns around and starts going in the other direction. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, fair enough. He goes, mm-hmm. it's all right, I've handled it, I've handled it. About three minutes later, two Skyhawk jets fly over and bomb these guys. <gasps> Boom! <laughs> like, oh, fuck. What? Oh. Yeah, so called in an airstrike on some impoverished fishermen. Oh my, no, you know what? I don't care if you're an impoverished fisherman or you are a multi-billionaire. You put your hand in the clam jar (laughs) (laughs) without permission. Every now and then you're going to get your hand bitten off. And I say bravo to the clam. (laughs) Or in this case, vaporised. Oh my. God, it was just the other crowd. <laughs> the rest of the, the clams were just looking on like, yes, I spit on your clam. <laughs> Harvey Weinstein could have learned a thing or two. <laughs> oh, my God. Where was this a Navy strike when you needed one with Weinstein? <laughs> oh, my God. If anyone needed a friggin' like, Navy strike called on them. There's still time. Oh, my God. So that's... That's your explanation as for what happened? I think it was a regional fishing dispute and they were they basically were just pulled off their boat with no because fishermen aren't generally gonna fight back. They're they're simple people, they're nonviolent, they just want to get on with their lives. They just want a job, which is why they've taken mm-hmm. this horrible pittance labor mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna die for their fucking captain. It's, you know. No, but then it but it it wasn't just it wasn't just the poor fishermen that did like the captain and the engineer were never seen again. Yeah, well, they, they were probably thrown over the side of that other boat. Because if you want to take away your competition, like not only take the people, but like leave their boat intact as a message. So you think that's, that's why everything was, was left intact as a warning? That or aliens. <laughs> Can I, I, if we're going to talk about what goes wrong in the ocean, yeah, I think we should talk about some ocean movies what do you reckon what's your what are your top ocean movies well in terms of number one for enjoyment the Mm. abyss oh oh james cameron oh i'm getting a semi oh my god (laughs) 
Yes. Um, I'm, I'm also a big fan of The Reef. I haven't seen that one. Really good. Uh, story of those divers who got separated from their boat. Oh, okay, yep. And they actually filmed it out in a place with real reef sharks and uh, apparently yeah. very fucking scary. Oh, okay. Uh, and, of course, you can't go past Deep Blue Sea because <laughs> everyone's got to pay their bills, <laughs> including Samuel Jackson. <laughs> oh, my God. Can I say that is that is the only – that is – that's why that movie is good value for Samuel L. Jackson giving the motivational, we're going to get through here. We get eaten by the fucking shark. Who expects that? I did not expect Who, that. Nobody expects that. No. But that, that, they must have just counted that down to like, we've got this many cents left on Samuel Jackson. Let's go on eating. He's eating. Oh, shit. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah, literally just the budget ran out. Yeah. <laughs> God damn you, rewrite. Just shot it. Get him eaten. Get him eaten. Oh. My God. You know what? I'm going to say, yeah, I think the I think the Abyss is so underrated. Oh, massively. As a film. Yeah. I think it's because everything else that, like, Cameron had done to that, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, Terminator, T2, Aliens, everything was so, like, like, you know, balls in your face, like, hardcore. Yeah. Um, it, it's a lot slower pace, um, I think, than his other work, so. Yeah, and it, it's not as wanky as Avatar or Titanic. Titanic's a great film, but it's wanky. Avatar is massively wanky. Oh, what the- it's called unobtainium. What? It's, oh, why don't we just substitute it for some hard to getium? <laughs> That's the whole point. He's making a point about the whole like ridiculousness of it, and you know our, you know, capitalism and its ridiculousness. I'm, you know, what? I'm sick of the. I, I watched Avatar the other night just to spite you. I did as well. Such a good film. It's all like, right. It's such a good film. Like it's not aliens. Like let's you know. Yeah. But oh my god, you know what? I I I have I only have two complaints with Avatar. The horse reach around. Oh my god, you're gonna go. There, there is no horse fucking there in James Cameron fucking. films. There is no horse fucking in James Cameron films. I have. There's only two things that I'm upset about. Yeah. The first one is, frankly, I think they should have all been vegan. I'm just saying that the blue people. It's a lot more environmental. Veganism is very much a capitalist invention. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It relies on mechanised, organised trade. It's very hard to be a vegan and get the appropriate level of protein without Uh, serious systemic agriculture. uh, No, it's not. Oh, my God. If we went vegan, we could, like, there'd be no more hunger. Like, Oh, I guarantee you could do that, but we'd still need petrochemicals to do it and large-scale machinery to do it. To feed the number of people that we do. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, you could 100% do it. And I'd, yeah. I'd get behind it. Yeah. But, but don't pretend it's a perfect solution. Okay. <laughs> Look, until we can get to, like, the Star Trek world where we can just replicate food, yes, that is. But given out of all the options that we've got, this is the best and yeah. most ethical option. Yes, it is. Um, so I think, A, they should have been vegan. It's just all like, we're in tune with our planet, uh, but I will occasionally kill bits the of it. The other problem with them it. being vegans is yeah. that the majority of people watching the film would then root for the people killing them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my god why would someone do something about the environment as i eat my 18 cheeseburgers <laughs> but anyway um the other like really annoying thing about that film is that once i found out that originally they were considering michael bean for the film oh i know well, like for the soldier for the yes yeah oh that would be like fully erect now my penis mm. um he's in the latest episode of the mandalorian Oh, 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 oh my god! Like just, oh. yeah. um, 
But apparently, um, because somebody was like, oh, like we've already got like Sigourney Weaver and it's James Cameron and James Horner is doing the music. It's going to make people think of aliens. <laughs> and so they didn't. And as, wow. as much as I think, you know, he, you know, he does a great job. I, I, I look at it now and I'm just like, oh my God, this could have been Michael Bean. And I get so, there's part of me where I'm relieved because he's such a dick. Michael but, Bean? No, no, no. In the movie, the, yeah. the um, you know, the general is. Yeah, fuck, he was a good. He was a good casting choice, though. Oh yeah, he's great. Like yeah. he's not Michael Bean, yeah. but he's brilliant. Like he's who do you want after it? Um, but yeah, I'm just like, oh my god, I'm so disappointed because I love Michael Bean when he goes bad in the abyss. Yes, that moustache <gasps> alone. Oh, how he didn't get an Oscar for that? <laughs> if Nicole Kidman can get an Oscar for her nose. <laughs> In that, like, Virginia Woolf, how could Michael Bean not get the Oscar for his moustache in the abyss? And I don't know why. There's something about in the movie where, you know, after he loses his mind and he's having the conversation with the other soldiers and he just says, there's no way to warn the surface. I don't know why, but it gets me moist. <laughs> there's just there's just something about, I've never heard of answer. there's no way. And I'm just moist straight away. Like, I am wetter than that rig. I don't. That's just the power of Michael Bean, man. In the Navy, you grease the pole. <laughs> Good old clam stoker. <laughs> Stick oh it in the God. clam. It's still a bit dry. Uh, oh, my God. Okay. Uh, obviously, we've got to put it down. The greatest water movie of all time, obviously, is Jaws. There's no argument. No um, one. N- none. Yep. No one. No Masterpiece. One, yeah. No one can ever argue that. Um, of course, Jaws 2. <laughs> let's, let's electrocute it this time. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of have a soft spot for like Jaws, Jaws too. I do as well. The PT, Roy Schneider's uh, PTSD was good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and we get to like terrorize some children, which yeah. is always funny. Um, oh my god! You know, I'm actually going to give a shout out. Have you ever seen the film Deep Rising? What's it about? Oh my lord! It's got, uh, and forgive me when I say her name wrong. Thumka. Jensen, the the Bond girl. Oh, don't know it. Uh, from Goldeneye on the top. Don't know it. Oh, um, Treat Williams, and that scruffy looking dude from The Mummy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin J O'Connor, I think. Okay. Um, okay. So, oh my god, and of course the fabulous Wes Studi, who is um the Native American actor, um, who basically just plays the Indian in everything for about yeah. 10 years in Hollywood, like Last of the Mohicans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was just like, oh, get the, get that Indian guy. <laughs> <laughs> in every, like, 80s P-grade movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, basically, uh, it Treat Williams, they're like, I don't know, someone rents their, like, I don't know, water ski boat um, to take them out. And actually, the cast on this thing is remarkable. It's got that... Um, I can't say his name either. Jamu Harrison, the giant. Um, is he a, is he an orca? Jamu. <laughs> D. Uh, see, I always I always call him Jamu, and my friend was like, "No, the D is silent." It's like, yeah, <laughs> oh it's like, God! Yep. So we've gotten into racism. Okay. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I can't. You know me. I can't pronounce people's names. That gentleman, yeah, um, who was brilliant, and it's even got the bloody ranger from Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like all of 
the, all of these people are in it. Like it's it's amazing. Okay. Um, and so basically they rock up because it's like the world's most expensive luxury um cruise ship. Yep. And West Duty is supposed to, and his like crack commando team of like four people. Um, oh my god, and it's got that New Zealander guy, the scrawny one. Um <laughs> you know the one. No, I don't. <laughs> For a while, there was only two New Zealanders working in Hollywood. Um, one, obviously, was the big guy from Once We're Warriors. Um, oh, fuck, what's his name? Yeah, who went on to be the entire Imperial Army. Tamura Morrison. That's him. Yeah. Love him. He is brilliant. Mm. It was him. Also in The New Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, It was him and that other scrawny guy that was in Once as Warriors, the creepy uncle. Oh, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, he is also one of the crack commandos. Right. Okay, along with the Ranger. He he turned up in um, The Meg as well. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's appalling. Oh, my God. When I see, I just, I get as far as, like, Jason Statham, like, in the ocean with his shirt off and then I've got to go have some alone time. Yeah, and that's I've... not the ocean, it's just pussy juice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same as Aquaman. <laughs> oh, my God. He could board my vessel. But... He'd sink it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, so the commandos get onto the ship because they're supposed to, like, you know, take it hostage and then basically sink it because yeah. the guy has overspent, so he wants the insurance money. But they get to the boat. Nobody's alive except Fanka. Yep. And she's like, oh, my God, some, like, leggy octopus thing ate everybody, <laughs> including one of my favourite death scenes because a woman gets pulled into a toilet. Like, actually <laughs> in... To a toilet. Like, death by dad joke. Like Mum's in the toilet. Get her out. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, I can't think of a worse way to go. She literally like when the tentacles, she's like, ah, oh, she goes into the toilet and she sits on the toilet. And But then you hear like a like in the pipes and you're like, oh, I'd get oh, off the toilet if I was you. There's so many horror films in dad jokes. <laughs> I'm hungry. Hi, hungry. I'm dad. <laughs> So, yeah, mum gets, like, sucked into the toilet. It's brilliant. Um, and so then basically it's Treat Williams and Wes Studi and his cr- shitty, shitty crack of ex-commandos oh, God. fighting tentacles. Oh, no. Um, but it's actually, it's brilliant. Deep like, rising. Yeah, deep rising. I will have to watch it. It is. It is just B-grade schlocky greatness. It's It's so bad. It's great. Here's a call for a really good ocean-based movie mm-hmm. when the remake of the thing or at least the prequel to the thing was made in the the early was it like 2012 2013 around then mm, it's not bad i i yeah. i originally thought it was going to suck but it's actually it's actually quite respectful of the carpenter film now originally yeah. that film was going to be made with all practical visual effects yes and it was all prepped and ready to go this is my understanding of it just as they were about to start shooting, mm-hmm. studio execs basically just said, ah, oh, look, we can't do this with practicals. It's going to have to be CG. Oh, fuck CG. I know. Fuck. So basically all the VFX team from that film mm. went away and crowdfunded basically a vehicle to use their practical effects. And the result <sighs> is a film called Harbinger Down. Yeah. Which uh, is, I, I think it's even got Lance Hendrickson in it. It's oh my god, score! I think it does. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty cool. Basically, it's the thing, but on a ship. Oh my god, Harbinger Down. Harbinger Down. <gasps> it's it's hard to find. I think it's on Google Play. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it on another streaming service, but okay. I, I bought it on Google Play. I was one of the backers of the film. I think. 
I'm going to add that to my list of, because that's the thing. Like, I mean, it, the problem is like everybody is so obsessed with CGI. Yeah. Um, they forget just the pure, like th- there's so many like physical effects that today you still look at. Yeah. And the reason that the, the films are so, are so iconic is because of the practical effects. And you can't beat a good practical effect. <laughs> <laughs> this is, oh my God. So when you say every boat goes down, is it because you cause an accident or people literally put a hole in the boat? <laughs> just drill a hole in it. Just to, just to make it stop. Fuck this. He's starting another set quick. Just <laughs> if I ever get booked on a cruise ship, you know that boat is going That's down. That's what's going down. Oh my God, did COVID start with people just trying to get away? <laughs> quick, just sneeze into my mouth. Sneeze to into be, my mouth. To be fair, if I did bring a cruise ship down, that's yeah. that's I'd like to be remembered for that. The, um, a lot of, oh. lot of barley bogans at the bottom of the ocean. That's fine by me. Uh, oh, my God. You know what? The friggin' how – how can we not talk about the original Poseidon adventure? If oh, we're talking about, Gene Hackman. Oh, my God. Mm. Oh, my – that is such a good film. It's brilliant. That's just – oh, my God. It, um, what's his name? Ernest um, – Ernest Borgnine? Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Shelley Winters? Oh, my God. Yeah, cracking cast. Oh. That you know, and as as much as I hate to say it, because you know I worship Kurt Russell as a god. Yeah, because I have eyes. I've seen your altar. <laughs> um, you know what? The original still so much better than the Kurt Russell remake. It is, yeah, yeah. Kurt Russell's not perfect. Escape from LA will forever. Oh, you promised me we would never talk about that. Do you know? Do you, do you want to know? Do you know how? Oh my god. Okay, so I have a particular ex. Worst thing that ever happened to humanity, okay? Wow. And you know how you go back and you're like, uh, you know, there's moments and you're like, oh, I should have known. Like I should have I should have just walked out yeah. then, okay? The moment, and again, I still don't know how I didn't work out then. So obviously anybody who knows me for more than like three seconds knows how much I worship Kurt Russell. That's pretty much the first two things I figured out, that you're a vegan mm. and Kurt Russell. No, did I mention I was vegan? You did, yeah. Excellent. Um, <laughs> so I love Kurt Russell. Anyway, I was home uh, I was home one day and he rocked up and he was like, oh, you know, I was in uh, the op shop and I saw this DVD and I know how much you love this guy. He's like, oh, my God, it's your favourite movie, okay? And I'm like, oh, my God, it clearly has to be Escape from New York. Yeah. I open it, okay, the bag. You know what's in it? Escape from LA. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, my God. I think, like, I think that's why I've got, like, I have memory problems now because (laughs) I couldn't. Part of my brain actually exploded in just like rage. Like, what the fuck? Escape from LA is nobody's favorite film. Nobody. You cannot confuse Escape from New York with Escape from like LA. Like, the other thing that you know about me, apart from that I love Kurt Russell and I love Escape from New York, is that I fucking hate Escape from LA. Yeah, passionately. Every, like, everyone does. Oh, yeah. oh, not even Bruce Campbell can, like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Those people died for our service. <laughs> they really did. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what? Okay. We, uh, we of course, we can't forget Sharknado. Sharknado is particularly good. So, 
Yeah, my son loved it. He actually um, he actually has a toy chainsaw. Excellent. Yeah, and he went to uh, he tried to go to book day as the guy from Sharknado. I'm like, Dad's not ready for this level of judgment, son. Oh my god, <laughs> best book. You know what? There is one more that I will have to uh, have to make only because it is it is so bad. It is so bad. You have to see it. It's actually so just. It's brilliant. It's Sharktopus. No. Half shark, half octopus. I, I hear you. So it's got it's got uh, three hearts, the ability to regenerate. Eight legs. Wow. And it, and it can, because uh, they're like, oh, my God, obviously it's like it's a shark. I'll just get out of the ocean and escape it. No, now it can move on its little tentacle legs. Oh, and because it's an octopus, it can fit through any plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And apparently a couple of years later, um, there was a sequel. I only just found out about oh, it. I haven't geez. seen it yet. I'm going to download it. It's Sharktopus versus Whale Wolf. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. After the success of Sharktopus versus Terracuda. Jesus Christ. And the Australian film industry is jumping up and down because they're making a. Justin Kurtzell's making a movie about the bloody massacre at Port Arthur. And these exist. Oh my god! You know what? The, you know what that needs? What? It needs a terracuda. It does, because then audiences will their pants. <laughs> but thanks for tuning in for this week's Gabin in the Woods. As oh. always, we appreciate everyone who's tuned in and listened in and mm. shared stuff and enjoyed it. And shout out to Jess who got in touch with me the other day. She said she's enjoying it, so hopefully she's uh, she's still on board. Oh my god! I don't think anybody's on board anymore. No, the threat of the greasy stick. I think you know what I think this. <laughs> Next Monday afternoon, this this podcast ship is going to be found crewless and alone, <laughs> drifting in the ocean. Like all podcasts. <laughs> uh, but thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll be back next week with something either weird or entertaining or slightly spooky. Or... I'm bad at these sign-offs. Cannibals. Can we do the cannibals? We can do cannibals. Nothing can possibly beat the horror of... Adam Sandler is a cruise ship waiter fishing for laughs. Somewhere between seasickness and murder, this killer comic discovers the power of laughter. And with that, we'll catch you next week. <laughs> or not. Or not. Probably not. I've scared everyone away. I am the albatross. <laughs>